0: Well, happy 4th of July, everyone. That's right. We are celebrating this weekend. I mean, we live in the greatest country in the world. And so we can celebrate that. Um, and by celebrating, what make your founding fathers proud by burgers, brats, blow things up, right? All right. that's how we should celebrate our 4th of July. And so super thankful for, for that. If you have served uh, over the years, man, we're so thankful for you and your sacrifice. And for those who are serving, we pray, we continue to pray for them. Um, But it is, it is also my, I think it's right for me to say, as much as we love our country, it is right for us to say, you know what? Our citizenship, our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there. That's who we look to is Jesus. And so, Glad you're here. So as we start off now, I'm, I'm starting off something a little bit different. I'm going to test how smart you are. That's right. I'm going to test and see what your IQ is. What is your intelligence quotient? And so I'm going to show some, some trees. They're not actually real trees. They're Peggy-designed trees. But I want to see if you know what tree it is. So the first tree, I'm going to say it together when you see it. I Thank you. Yes, there are some smart ones here. We got an orange tree, right? Lemon, yes, good job. Kids, kids. Yeah, that's, that's apples, apples. <laughs> that's an apple tree. How about this one? Uh, oh, oh I, I see. Okay, all right, all right. All right, so how, how did how did you know the first tree so quickly? Right, you can identify the first tree so quickly just based upon upon the fruit. Like that last tree that Peggy designed for me, I was like... I didn't know there was a pea tree, right? I mean, those are those pea pods, and so, and so th- that's that's a tamarind, a tamarind tree, right? We we know the trees so easily that kids can can pass this test based upon based upon the fruit, right? And so we opened this worship set by by reading a verse that Jesus gives us. I mean, Jesus gave us a profound illustration. And so I want to direct your attention back to this verse that Jesus speaks. If you have your Bibles, you can go there, but it's going to be on the screen as well. I mean, Jesus gives us a, a masterful illustration that teaches us a profound truth about all marriages, right? All relationships, Jesus' illustration with the tree and its fruit is an illustration that teaches us the central issue that affects every single marriage. And so the the easiest way to identify a tree is not based upon leaves. Some, Some people can do that. The easiest way to identify a tree is based upon its fruit, but in the same way, right, the quality of an orange or the orangeness, right? That's a made up a word right there, right? The quality of the orangeness is not just in the fruit, though. The quality of the orangeness can be traced back. It must be traced back. It needs to be traced back to its actually source, to the roots or, or to the seeds, right? And so you can pray all you want. You, you can plant an, uh, an apple seed, you can fast, but what you're going to get are apples. You can crack all the fortune cookies you want. You aren't going to get a peach from an apple seed. All right? so stay with me. I, I, I know you're blown away right now by my, by my, like, my horticulture extraordinaire. All right? this is like botany 101 right here. But D- Jesus is teaching us a very profound truth in Luke 6. When he uses this fruit tree analogy, I mean, Jesus is letting us know that there is a direct connection with the fruit of the tree and its root. There is a very real correlation between the fruit and the seed. And so we need to see that. And so I want you to go back. Let's look at it. Look what he says in Luke 6. Jesus says these words, says, for no good tree bears bad fruit and nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known, it's identified by its fruit. Figs aren't gathered from thorn bushes, and grapes aren't picked from bramble bushes. The good person, likewise, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of the evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so, I mean, this is not hard to follow what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying something. He says, Jesus tells us, right, that what comes out of your mouth and what comes out of my mouth, that's fruit. It's fruit. The, The words that you speak are fruit. And not just words, your actions, your behavior, right? Those are fruit as well. And all of those fruits that you're seeing have to be traced back. You need to trace it back to its source, to its root, to its seed. And so this illustration is powerful. You know why it's powerful? Because it teaches us and it shows us why all marriages go bad. And it teaches us how all marriage problems can get resolved. So welcome, New Covenant. Welcome, welcome. Glad you're here. If you're online, we're glad you're here as well. We wish you were here physically, but glad you're with us. If you're a guest with us, so thrilled you've chosen to worship us, you arrived at just the right time because we are starting a brand new series on marriage. And some of you are like, ugh, marriage. Some of you are groaning because you you, you are married. (laughs) Some of you are groaning because it's like, I'm not married. And so if you're not married, this is, one, this is not a license for you to check out. It's not a license for you to check out because whether you're online or whether you're in this room, even though the majority of us in this room and across services are married, if you're not married, the majority of you who are not married, the highest percentage of you will one day be married. And so this doesn't give you a chance to check out. And if you're not married... And no plans to get married, bless you. But you guess what? You have friends. You have friends who are married. And you get the opportunity now to actually sew into their lives. Now, if you're saying that that doesn't, that's not compelling, Jay. I'm gonna check out. All right. Here, here's another compelling thing. Even if you're not married, right, you're gonna see that there are principles that are directly applied. Like if you're in relationships, this message is for you. And so none of us, none of us get to check out because every single one of us, this is relevant for. And so we are starting our marriage series and we're going to start it, I mean, it's, a, it's called 2-8 Marriage. If you've been with us for kind of over a little over a year now, what we're doing is we're taking our cultural values, the values that we use here and, and the way we do ministry, whether inside this building or outside of the building, we have values, But those values are not just to be placed upon how we do ministry. These are values that should, like, they they transcend, and they should be involved, like, should be applied to all kinds of aspects of our lives. So we're going to apply them to marriage. Now, we actually had this series actually already queued up, ready to roll, about a year ago. And then something happened about a year ago. It's called derecho. And so we quickly took that marriage and we just kind of shifted it and we said, okay, how can we take our values and apply it to neighboring, given the circumstances? And so now the time, now the time is just right. We want to apply our values to marriages. We want to apply our values to relationships, right? We just got done with a series called Activated, where we're looking at how, how the gospel is just, just rapidly spreading, the reality is, I mean, we're called to be activated, but if our marriages are in shambles, is it really going to happen? And so we should, we should rightly pause and say, how are we doing? How are we doing in our marriages? How are we doing in our relationships? And so we're going to do just that. The next two weeks, you're going to see, you see our values right there? We're going to take two of our values and apply them every week. And so let's jump in, right? The first value we're going to look at is that we're starting with clarity, Right? I'm not arbitrarily just picking a value. We are purposely, we are intentionally starting with clarity. Right? The, our, our tagline for clarity is that we want to make it easy for people to understand and participate. And the reason that we're starting right here with our cultural value clarity, because, I mean, let's just be very, very clear, very, very honest. If you don't understand the purpose of marriage, you're going to be incredibly disappointed if you're not clear on why your marriage and your relationships are difficult and hard, you're going to be frustrated. Or or to keep with the branding, right? Two-eight marriage canoes. If you don't understand, if you're not clear, like why are you, I mean, you guys, are you even in the same boat? Why does it feel like you're not even paddling in the same direction? Why does it feel like one's doing all the work and one's not doing anything? If you're not clear on that purpose, I mean, then you are going to be incredibly heartbroken, frustrated, and discouraged. And so we want to bring clarity. We're going to bring clarity. And so what I'm going to do, I mean, in a short period of time, I want to bring high-level clarity when it comes to marriage, and I want to give low-level clarity. And right now, you're probably thinking, man, he's violating his own cultural value right now because that's not clear. (laughs) So here's here's what I mean. When I talk about high-level, low-level clarity, low-level clarity, which I'll start with, is more like kind of applications. I mean, this is like the direct application. Why is my marriage a mess? Why is my relationships a mess? Why is it so hard and so difficult? That's low-level clarity. And then I want to come back up and say, the high-level clarity is, and what then is the purpose of marriage? Is my purpose the same as God's purpose? And so that's what we're going to do. And so let's jump in with, with low-level clarity. I want, what I want to do, I want to go back now and I want to use kind of that, that fruit tree analogy that we started with. I want to give you a kind of a hypothetical fruit tree illustration. I didn't creatively come up with this. I, I, am, I am cannibalizing it. I am taking it from, from an author, pastor named Paul Tripp. He is so helpful. He has been so helpful for me in parenting and in marriages. And you're going to see at the end of the message some resources that we want to kind of encourage you all. But this is, a, this is an analogy that I heard from him. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to kind of I'm going to, I'm going to take it. I'm stealing it. All right, so suppose Jen and I, we, we planted an apple tree uh, just a few years ago. And this apple tree has, has grown, and it is now producing apples. Now, the problem is that the apples that it's producing are horrible, right? The apples are crappy crab apples, right? They're apples that are not edible. Nobody wants to eat them. And so we're frustrated. And being that I am the husband that I am, and I long to please her, I long to please Jen, I just look her right in the eye and say, I'm going to fix this, sweetie. Because that's what I do. I fix things. <laughs> These hands are made for more than just preaching. <laughs> These hands are made for fixing. And so I, 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 and she is so excited that I am going to fix this apple tree. I go out to the tree, and I say, just sit, just sit back and watch. And as I go out, I'm carrying my ladder. I am carrying my pruners. I am carrying my pneumatic nail gun and i am carrying a bus- bushel just a bushel a basket full of delicious red delicious apples red delicious not the gala apples that you get at target not you know not granny smith not what are the other ones not 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 i put it down here all right not honey crisp all right no the, i want the red delicious because why because they look amazing they look fake like wax and so I, I, I take them out of there. I start taking off the bad branches. And then I take the nail gun, and I just start whoosh, right into the tree. And I just start nailing every single one of those apples to the tree. And from, from the road and from the sidewalk, I mean, that tree looks so amazing. It is bountiful. It is plentiful. And I mean, like, look how fruitful that tree is. I mean, people walking by, they want my autograph. (laughs) They do. They're like, this guy must be a horticulture genius. He needs to be on the cover of a magazine. Right Right there it is, right there. I'm amazing. I'm amazing. Actually, Peggy. Peggy's amazing. She Photoshopped my head on that poor guy's body. Now, I might look amazing, feel amazing, but Jen, she is not thinking I'm amazing. She thinks I'm a fool. Like, she thinks I'm crazy. Why, why, is that, why, is I, why am I crazy? Because we all know, like, as much as I just nailed all those apples to the tree, what's going to happen? Those apples are quickly going to rot. Right? Why, why are they going to rot? Not just because I shot a nail through it. Right? They're going to rot because we know, we just know, they're going to rot because they're not attached to the life-giving source, right? They, they don't have any power behind them, right? That's the harsh reality, right? Next year, next season, that same tree is going to produce the same type of fruit, the same junky crab apples, because the problem didn't get solved, There's something systemically wrong with the roots. That's the issue. That's the problem. And so Jesus is telling us something very crucial, something profound, and it's not that hard. If you don't change the root problem, you don't change the fruit problem. That's what Jesus is telling us. So welcome to your marriage problem. Welcome to all marriage problems. Welcome to all relationship problems. What I love about that analogy, right, is that the harsh reality is that you and I in this room, we are actually committed to appling, like apple nailing strategies. That's how we function. That when it comes to our relationships, I mean, we are so good at just apple nailing as our solution. Now, some of that's like that's that's not real clear, Jay. Here, here are just here are three common apple nailing strategies that we use when it comes to relationships. The first one is, is threat. It's threat. We use, our, we use our voices. We use our fingers. Right? We use our demeanors. We use our kind of our language to what? We use threats to produce, to produce change. Right? I don't know how long I'm going to be able to deal with you. We use like I don't think I can. I don't think I can handle this. I don't think I can handle you and your antics anymore. I don't. I don't. If you, if you don't get your crap together, I'm out of here. And I mean it. I mean it. I mean those are those are threats. And we use it all the time. If I have to tell you one more time, so help me. We love to use that apple nailing strategy. We use it in our marriages, and guess what? We use it in other places outside of marriage too. We use it in our parenting. How many of you use that even on the way here today? If you don't get dressed, I'll throw all your toys away. If you don't put on some pants, right? No screen time for you. Like, they're empty threats oftentimes, but they're threats nonetheless. And here's the reality. Threats don't work. Actually, that's not true. That's not true. Threats actually do work. But they don't work long-term. They don't last. Right? If, if threats could produce real change, guess what? Jesus isn't needed. And Jesus is needed. And so, threats have a great way of, you know what they do? They actually produce something. The, the, the fruit of threats actually produces greater tension greater frustration, greater harm. None of us in this room have the ability, have the ability to change your spouse. None of you. You don't have the ability to change your spouse and you don't have the ability to change your kid. You don't have the ability to change your neighbor. Right? You just don't have that ability. Change occurs and happens by the power of God and by the grace of God. That's how lasting and real change happens. That's why Paul says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me is not without effect. I worked harder than all of them. I worked, I worked hard. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. And so we use threats. You know, another common apple nailing strategy we love to use, manipulation. I mean, we're really, really good at manipulation in our marriages. We find out what our, our loved one wants likes, enjoys, and you say, if you do this, I'll do this, right? We have, I mean, we are masterful at manipulation. All of us have a PhD in this arena. We use manipulation all the time. And manipulation, it, it too can work, but it's not healthy. I'm not going to dwell here long because we we'll, in the next couple of weeks, we'll come back to manipulation. But manipulation, right, it isn't romance, it isn't love. It's a, it's a transaction. That's what manipulation is. Another strategy, apple nailing strategy, guilt. Man, guilt, right? A husband, husband could look, look his wife right in the eye and say, I remember when you, I remember, I remember when you used to be pleasant. I remember when you used to be fun to be around, right? Not a wise statement, but he could say it. How about, how, how about more realistically, a, a wife could say to her husband, right, "I remember when you used to be romantic. Back when you were, back when we were dating. All right? What is that? Those statements, are, those are that's guilt. Guilt is very easy to see. Guilt communicates you're not doing enough. You need to do do more. You need to do something else." Right? So what's, what's the purpose? Are you, are you following me? Right? What's the purpose of these strategies? Threats, manipulation, guilt, right? What's the goal? The goal is, like, we use threats, manipulation, guilt, and a host of others. Why? They're attempts to change the character of the person's behavior. It's just actions of, like, how can I change that individual's character? How do I change the actions of this significant other? whether it's your spouse, whether it's your friends, or whether it's your kids. And the, the problem with these tactics, the problem with these strategies is that, guess, what, what's the problem? Is that you're only dealing with the fruit. You're just dealing with the fruit. The problem is a fruit problem. It's a, the, you think it's a fruit problem, when in actuality, it's a root problem. And the root problem is a heart problem. So Jesus, do you see how amazing Jesus is right here? Jesus teaches us a profound truth with this fruit tree illustration. He's saying if if your marriage is constantly producing bad fruit, if your marriage is constantly producing the bad fruit of anger and judgment and criticism and jealousy and put downs and control, right? Put whatever fruit that's painful and destructive and chaotic, the the real problem is not the fruit problem. The real problem is a root problem. And the root problem is a heart problem. That's what Jesus is teaching us. And So are you you humbled by this? Like I, I, I am humbled by this. But if I'm really honest, I'm not not merely humbled, I'm frustrated by this. And I'm frustrated because you know what I would like to believe? I'd like to believe that the problem doesn't reside with me. Doesn't she know how awesome I am? Does she not realize how amazing I am? That's the problem. And it's so what's frustrating is that I am amazing and I am awesome, but I'm as awesome. I almost said a swear word. <laughs> I am awesome at the wrong things. Like I'm awesome at all the apple nailing strategies and it's not just me, you are too. And so Jesus has some very, very poignant and beautiful words for us. So here, if you're following and I know you are, right? Low-level clarity. Like, why, why why am I? Why, is, why does it feel like I'm not in the same boat? Why am I not rowing in the right, right direction? Why is it so hard and difficult? Jesus tells us right here, all marriage problems, all marriage problems, all marriage problems are heart problems. And I could pass out a, a three-by-five note card right now, and I could just say, give me your top three to five marriage problems, we're going to probably come up with almost identically those three to five ones are. You know, if, I, love, I love Family Feud, especially the Family Feuds with Steve Harvey. He's hilarious. Now, if we were playing Family Feud and you're saying, like, top five marriage problems on the board, right? It's not hard to know what some of those are. Finances, marriage problem, maybe number one. Another one might be communication. Another one might be, be lack, lack of intimacy, And Jesus is saying, none of those are actually your marriage problem. None. They're not your marriage problem, right? Sex is not your marriage problem. Finances are not your marriage problems. Lack of communication is not your marriage problems. Parenting is not your marriage problems, right? What those are, you know what those are? Those are just where marriage problems are revealed. It's, It's the arena to where they, they show up. Jesus says all of our marriage problems are heart problems. And you cannot solve, you cannot solve your marital problems, your parental problems, your neighbor problems, your relational problems. You can't solve them with apple nailing, with threats, manipulations, negotiations, Guilt. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Because your fruit problem, that fruit, has a root problem. And that root problem is a heart problem. So, are you following Jesus? All marriage problems, heart problems. And then he's basically telling us this. He's saying, you want real change? Real change always has to travel through the heart. Lasting change. Has to go through the corridors of the corazon, right? It needs to go through the heart. If it doesn't go through the heart, it's not gonna be real and lasting change. If transformation and change could happen any other way by your own effort, Jesus is not needed. Jesus is needed. He's not just the Savior of the world. He's not just Savior of sins. He actually can save us and help us with our heart problem. So I I hope you're getting clarity. Like, why is your marriage struggling? Why are you disappointed? It's not because of the fruit. It's because of the root. And the root goes back to the heart. To the heart. And so... I'm going to say one more thing, right? So, well, even before then, so we have a heart problem. So what, the only prescription, the only prescription that's needed is not more cowbell. The only prescription to this is actually a heart transplant. It's a heart change. And so my last point on the low-level area because of this, and this is where I'm going to make some of you angry, right? I'm going to, I'm going to frustrate some of you. So I'm just I'm just gonna let you know. If this is all true, and I believe it is because Jesus tells it is, is then I am, I am my biggest marriage problem. And you are, you are your biggest marriage problem. And I'm not trying to minimize the pain that you likely have experienced from maybe your spouse or another loved one. I'm not trying to minimize that, downgrade it. I'm, I'm not, right? Your spouse has likely hurt you at some time, likely hurt you. And that doesn't justify it. In fact, I, I can't even go into like all the arenas that I, that I, that I actually could do right now, like with, with abuse and things like that. This is not a warrant for, for like, oh, abuse is Okay. The reality is, though, the reality is that you are a flawed person. You are. I am. And you married a flawed person. But we are so quick to point the finger. And Jesus is saying, right, your biggest problem is not out there. It's actually in here. Because you have a heart problem. And if that statement frustrates you, infuriates you, I get it. I do. I I do get it. But your problem is not with me. Your problem's with Jesus. He's the king. Right? He's the leader. He is the Lord. And this is what he's showing us. And so... You see in the clarity, I'm bringing clarity here. Low level clarity, you're starting to see why, why on earth is we having so much hardship with our marriage? Why does it feel like we're not in the boat? Why does it feel like we're not rowing in the same direction? Because you have a fruit problem, and that fruit problem actually has a root problem, and your root problem is a heart problem. But we need to move from low level clarity now to high level clarity. What, what, What then is the purpose of marriage? Why did God institute marriage? Why did he give it to us? Why did he craft it? And and this is where, I mean, I think we know it somewhat if if you've kind of grown up in the church, but we quickly forget it. Marriage doesn't serve the purpose you, you ultimately think it does, right? You think, we think, we see marriage Most of us see marriage as a paradigm or as a lens for our personal happiness. We get married because that person is going to make me happy, make me happier. I mean, this is ingrained in us at a young age. We marry for happiness, right? And it's not as though that that shouldn't be a goal. Right, And it's not as though that we shouldn't strive or have, like, work towards marital happiness. Like, we were created for joy and enjoyment and for happiness. But I'm here to say, marriage, marital happiness is not God's ultimate goal. That's not why he created it. And it's not as though it's a wrong goal. You, you can be happy and joyful in your marriage, it's not as it's a wrong goal, I would say it's too small of a goal. That God has something bigger, God has something better, and God has something greater for you in your marriage besides just your happiness. You know what that is? God's God, we see marriage as a kind of a paradigm for happiness. God sees marriage as a paradigm for holiness. And that don't, don't tune out with that kind of like that church-type language meaning that God, God is after something with you and me. What, what, is, what does God want? God's ultimate aim in my life and in your life, what is his ultimate aim? It's to conform you to look like Jesus. He wants to, to shape us and to chisel us and to make us live and look like him. It's Christ-likeness. There's all types of verses I could use, right? He who began a good work in you will what? He will carry it on to completion, meaning he has a goal in mind. He wants to make you look like Jesus. And so he will will use, what what does he use to do that? He uses everyday situations and circumstances in our world to actually shape us. And what better way to shape us in our everyday situations and circumstances than marriage? Marriage is a great arena for God to chisel his people. It's a tool in the hands of the Redeemer. Is it the only tool he uses? No. There's another tool he likes to use to chisel us and shape us into his likeness. You know what that tool is called? Parenting. Right? Kids are a blessing from the Lord, are they not? They are. They are so cute. They are adorable. But they're more than just cute. They're a chisel. Right they are there, God will use a child. Why? Because he wants to chisel us and to make us what? More patient. He will use children to make us more gracious, more tender. And so God loves and he has designed marriage in such a way that is, is happiness a result? Sure. It's just not his ultimate goal. It's too small of a goal. He's after holiness. He wants us to be conformed more and more in his likeness. This is why I would say there's not going to be marriage in heaven because we're going to be complete when we're face-to-face. It's no longer needed. No longer needed. And so, and I, God, God knows something. He sh- he's pretty sharp. God knows that we can't be truly happy without holiness. Right? Sin is very very deceptive. Like, by nature, sin offers happiness and joy and fulfillment at the expense of holiness. And God is saying, you know what? You cannot be truly happy. You cannot be truly satisfied if you're actually controlled by sin, if you're controlled by anger and jealousy and greed and lust. Like, you can't be truly happy. So God will use, like, he wants to shape us, and once he shapes us to more' like, we know happiness is going to come. And so do you see, like, we need a massive paradigm shift. Like, we need to think differently on the low level and the high level when it comes to marriage. We need to radically not just think differently, but behave differently. That's what repentance means. It's changing the way we think, changing the way we behave Right? We need to realize your, your, your biggest marriage issues is really not the fruit problem. Right? Your, your fruit problem, what you're seeing, is actually a root problem, and your root problem is a heart problem. And not only does the low level, like we need to change the way we're thinking, is that there is no magical one person that's going to make you satisfied. He or she does not exist. It's a mirage that God will use marriage as a way to chisel us and to shape us and to conform us. That's his design, to make us live and look like him. And so now, in light of all that, like, then what's our response? And this is where I think our, 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 our cultural value of excellence comes in, that we are called to walk in obedience, to step into this, right? Excellence, like excellence is our tagline is that we want to live and work in a way that honors God and inspires others. And oh, how I long that new covenant would be a way where, I mean, we, when it comes to our marriages, that we have marriages that honors God first and foremost. And not just honors God, but it inspires. It inspires those within our community and as we are engaging in our neighborhoods and in our networks people look at our marriages and say man that's different that's life-giving that's healthy and they're saying what makes your marriage why is your marriage so much drastically different than my marriage we want to have healthy excellent marriages and so we need to step into that and i say that because man I bet many, many in this room, many online, many in the last services, we have so many people that just want to, I mean, they are ready to quit when it comes to marriage. They're ready to give up. And it's not hard to understand why because you're, you're, you're likely tired. You're tired of your apple-nailing strategies or the apple-nailing strategies of your spouse Right? You're tired of working hard. You're tired of investing. You're tired of laboring. And it feels like you're not getting anywhere. You're flat out tired. And maybe you're, you're ready to check out and punt and quit because you're talking to other people, whether that's coworkers or you're listening to culture and what they're saying. Just punt and run. Just get out. Find someone else that will make you happy. And there's a better way. As God's people, there's, there is a better way. And so I, I am convinced, I am convinced if, if, if our marriages, right, if we had marriages where the husband, both the husband and the wife, if the husband would come into that marriage and he'd say, I, I, am, the, I am our greatest marriage problem. And our wives would likewise come in And they would likewise write with their husband and say, I am our biggest marriage problem. If both of those would come together and say those words, what we would see is a massive de-escalation when it comes to the blame game and pointing fingers. And once we get there, where two couples are finally saying, it's me, it's a me problem, it's a me problem. Once we get there, I think we can now start to take steps towards what real and lasting change can look like because God is in the business of transforming lives. You can't change your spouse. You can't even actually change you without God's grace, incredible grace. And so we want to look to Him. Right? When we become hopeless is actually where help can the best help comes. When we actually recognize, when someone recognizes they're in a very hopeless situation that's when the best care can be um, administered and so marriages won't change they can't change they don't change when we keep telling ourselves that we don't need to change And so wives husbands right here's here's how i want to end the temptation is right now the temptation i know it i feel i can actually feel it whether you're here online the temptation is to say these words. I'm so glad you're finally speaking to him. I'm so glad that he finally someone is saying something to him. Don't do that. Stop it. Stop it. Because be aware of your self-righteousness. Be aware of it. In fact, stop, stop pointing the finger. What I would love to see is that you would just grab hands. Grab your spouse's hands and turn to the one who actually can transform your lives. Right? Run. Run to the one who loves to extend mercy and who is eager to give you the grace needed to go into the hard, hard, hard marriage situations. So... None of us right here, I I, I love the statement, none of us are grace graduates. None of us in this room are graduates of grace. We all, we all need incredible grace, and we have a God who loves to extend that. So I want to, I'll I'll close with a brief prayer, but I want you to know that we're going to go right into a a video where we're going to hear from some couples in our church that long, they long to have marriages that honors God and inspires others. And so, Father in Heaven, real quick, we we are so thankful. We need Jesus. He is needed. I need Him. My marriage needs Him. Everyone in this room, whether they recognize it or not, they need them in their marriage, in their relationships, in their workplace. And so, God, would you, oh, God, direct hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. Spirit of God, do what you do best. Change lives. Amen.